We have reached the eighth in our eight sermon series on the covenant community. And this morning I would like us to look at John chapter 17, a very famous passage that speaks of the unity of God's people. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And the word of the Lord is completely inerrant. John chapter 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me 
and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, Lord, we ask that you would use this word to bind us together as your people, to bind us in great unity at the foot of the cross. Lord, we long to be with you. We long to be united with you eternally. And we ask, O Lord, that you would care for us and comfort us. Equip us to face the challenges of this world. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. We have come to the final sermon in our sermon series about community. We have looked together at the various characteristics that the community displays. And last week we looked at the ultimate end or purpose of the community. And that is the worship of the true and living God. This morning, I would like us to look at what makes all of these things possible. That is, that we are unified as Jesus' community. For you see, it is built up within us that we long to belong to something, don't we? We long to be united. Whenever we travel to distant places... We are overjoyed when we meet someone who shares a connection with us. Perhaps they are from our state, or perhaps they went to the same college that we went to. We just long to be a part of a greater body of a community. And what John 17 shows us is the assurance of our Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus gives us that belonging, He gives us that community. And he does so permanently. He brings us into his body, into the community of the church. And he does so without repentance, without change. And so this morning I'd like us to look at John 17 and see what Jesus tells us about unity in his body. The very first thing that I would like us to see is that Jesus is the one who brings us unity. We get unity from God himself, from Jesus. The second thing we notice is that we need unity. It is a part of our humanness that we need to be united with others, that we need to be a unified community. And then thirdly we see that God's purpose for us The reason He has made us united to the Lord Jesus Christ and to each other is so that we can go forward in unity. Jesus brings unity. We need unity. And we go forward in unity. 
Let's begin then first by thinking about this passage itself and how Jesus brings us unity. And first and foremost, we must understand that unity comes from God. We as creatures created by the true and living God are the only creatures made in His image. It is the glory of man to be made into the image of God. And so we share characteristics with God. God is love and we can love. There are certain characteristics about God and who He is that He has put into us each as individuals. And one of the things that I think John 17 teaches very well amongst all of the scriptures is the doctrine of the Trinity, of who God is. That God is three and God is one. There is a unity in God of the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you may not have thought about this this morning when you woke up, but John 17 and the doctrine of the Trinity is really the answer to the great philosophical conundrum of all time. If we think about what creation is and what the universe is, there are two ways in which we can look at the universe. The first is we look at it as a unity, as a oneness. Even now today there are professors and physicists and other educators who are seeking that one unifying principle of all of the universe. But at the same time, all you need to do is look around this room and see that there is great diversity in the universe. There are living beings, there are inanimate objects. Even amongst creation, there are a multiplicity of types of creatures. Even amongst human beings, we come from different places, we look different, we sound different. So there is a great variety as well. And so what is the nature of the universe? Is it one or is it many? The answer in God is yes. Because God brings together the unity and the many. God is three and one. There is only one God, but He exists in three persons. And this reminds us of who we are called to be. Because you see, some in the world try to solve this dilemma by denying the unity of the world. By thinking the world is a place that is chaos and purposelessness. Others deny the reality of the world by trying to confuse the creature and the creator and bring them into one being and denying multiplicity. But the God of the Bible is both. The God of the Bible shows us how important unity is and how unity is made up of many. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all equal in existence. They are all uncreated. They are all worthy of worship. Each person of the Godhead is truly God. And so this is a unity of existence that exists only in God that we can see and understand that the world was created around. And because of this, God is the true source of love. Now, how were we created to live? We were created to live 
in relationship with others. Now you might find some tall tower on the coast of of a continent that you could hole up in and hide in. You might find some desert island that you could flee to where there's only you and three coconut trees. But that's not the way you were meant to live and to exist. You were created to live in relationship with others. And we know this for a fact because that relationship shows itself in God. The Father loves the Son eternally. The Son loves the Spirit eternally. The Father and the Son together in harmony love the Spirit. Three is the number of God One is the existence of God. And so this shows us how the nature of God Himself is to tell us that we were meant to live and relate and love others. We are created in His image. This is the greatness of God. And so it is also the greatness of His creation. God shows us an example of what harmony should look like. It's actually one of the reasons for the incarnation. The Father and the Son come together and mutually agree to perform this work. If you ask yourself, how can I possibly live in harmony with others? How can I be united with these people? You should really be asking yourself the opposite question. If I follow the Lord my God, And if He is to me the foundation of love and relationship and harmony, how can I not be in harmony with others around me? How can I not show love to others? For I seek to be like Jesus, to be like God, to follow after Him, to obey His word. This is a unity of existence that's in God that is important for us to understand as we relate to others. But there is also a unity of purpose in God. Look with me at verse 2. Since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. The Son and the Father are united to redeem a people. They have come together. They are of the same will. It is not that the son gets a people from a begrudging hands of a father. It's not that the father wickedly sends the son to do his bidding. The father and the son together with a unity of purpose come together to redeem a people. And they're united in the end of that redeemed people. This is What Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The end of all things for us is to be united, to know God, and to have eternal life. This is the nature of who God is. He's even united in glory. Look at verse 1. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. You see, the Son wants to glorify the Father. And the Father wants to glorify the Son. How different that is from the world today. Where everyone we see wants to glorify themselves. 
They want to steal as much glory as they can get. And they see any glory that anyone else has as a threat. We see it all around us. People elbowing each other out of the way. People wanting to be in the limelight. People wanting to take credit for things others have done. But not so God. There is such a unity within God that they seek, each person of the Godhead seeks the other's glory. The Son, the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit speaks only the things of the Son. There is a great unity from God. But more than that, and perhaps more specifically than that, there is a unity that we have in Christ. Look again at verse 2. That God has put us all under the authority of Jesus. We are all under Christ's authority. That means that we have our meaning in Jesus. Now, being given to Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Being under the authority of the Son of God, who has redeemed you from your sins, who gives you life and breath, and who has built and prepared a mansion for you in glory. You see, when we are given to Jesus, when we are united with Jesus, the great thing that happens to us is that all that is Jesus's becomes ours. His kingdom is our kingdom. His life is our life. His holiness is our holiness. You see, we are united to Christ, each of us, and that also brings us in union together. We are under His authority, and we are saved by Jesus. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. You see, when we are given to Jesus, we are taken out of the world. In the sense that we are no longer a part of the world system. We are no longer under the coming judgment. We are now in a relationship with God himself. We have been saved by Christ. We have been plucked out of one kingdom and placed into his beloved kingdom. And this means that we are then of one mind with Christ. Look now at verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and they have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. You see, when we are united with Christ, we then know the truth about the world. We understand that the world was created by a good and holy and omnipotent God. And we understand that the world today is in rebellion against this God. And then we also know the truth about ourselves. That we are a part of this rebellion. And that we must repent of our sins. And we must seek forgiveness in what Jesus has done. And we know the truth about God. Who God is. Why He has done what He has done. You see, our mind becomes Christ's mind. And our focus as a church then becomes Jesus' focus. We are united to Christ. Jesus brings us unity through the example of the Trinity and by uniting us to himself. And this is important because 
Brothers and sisters, we need unity. We need unity first and foremost because we are in the world. If it's one thing that the world seems to lack today, it's unity, isn't it? You see people constantly warring and bickering. This is not something new. Tribes have warred for millennia. They have carried ancient grievances forward. We just simply hear about them and see them more often on our televisions now. But Jesus, because we are united with Him, He has taken us out of this world system. He has made us different. Look at verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You see, when we are united with Christ, we become like Christ. Jesus is not of the world. He is not created. He is not divisive. He is not sinful. He is not hateful. And so when we are united to Christ, we are taken out of that sinful world, out of that divisive world system, and we are brought to Jesus. We're made different. Jesus is not like the world. He is making a new kingdom. And we are a part of a new people He is fashioning. We have different priorities. We have different loves, just as He does. But we need unity because not only has Jesus made us different, and we are not of the world, but at the same time, He has left us in the world. Look at verse 11. I am no longer in the world, But they are in the world. Now, have you ever stopped for a moment to wonder why the Lord Jesus didn't take you to heaven the moment you placed your faith and trust in Him? I think on some level we could say to ourselves, selfishly, that would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Rather than living here and getting sick and fighting with people and dealing with shortages and want and sickness... To just be immediately ushered into glory. Now, why has Jesus not done this? He's done it purposefully. It's not an accident. We weren't left behind. You see what Jesus says here. He says, I am not in the world, but they are remaining in the world. And the reason that he has done this is we are to remain as Jesus' ambassadors. It is our task given to us by our Lord, to gather together the rest of the family so that we might all be united in one body with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has not forgotten you. He remembers you vividly. He's given to you the most important job in the universe, declaring the truth of the gospel to a lost world. Jesus has left us in this world, but that also means that we are under attack in the world because the world doesn't want Jesus. The world doesn't want the gospel. Look at verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. You see, we are under attack because the world hates Jesus. The enemy of your soul hates Jesus. He hates redemption. He hates healing. And so we are left in the middle of this battle. That puts this world system against us. 
And so we must be united as a church of Jesus Christ to face this opposition. You remember the famous words of Benjamin Franklin. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And you see the woes of the church throughout the century have been highlighted by the divisions in the church. By the relationships that have been broken. By the lack of unity that they have shown, it has made the job of the church all the more difficult. Jesus has called us to unity because we are in the world and because he is using us in this world. But we need unity not just for our corporate good. We need unity also for our individual good because we are being sanctified each and every day. And we need to understand God's word to be more like Jesus. How can we hold fast in the face of attacks? As people tell you the Bible is untrue, that Jesus is a myth, that you believe fairy tales. How can we know what is true? The only way that we can know what is true is if we come to God's word and is if we gather together around God's word. Because you see these attacks come. And the church is there not about organization, not about structure, but it is there to encourage us to understand God's word. It certainly is possible to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ alone by yourself in a room with a Bible. But I would challenge you to tell you it is not a place where you will likely grow in Christ. You need other believers around you who are committed to the Word just as you are committed to the Word, who seek to encourage you when you fall short, who seek to correct you when you come up with wrong thoughts and ideas. You see, we need the body of the church to teach us God's word, to impress upon us the importance of living God's word, of applying God's word to our lives. We need unity if we are to follow God's word and to become more like Jesus. Because you see, the fact of the matter is, we need help in holiness. There's so much sin around us, isn't there? You go anywhere... And you see temptation. Temptation to steal. Temptation to watch things we shouldn't watch. Temptation to say things we shouldn't say. Peer pressure doesn't just exist in high school. It exists in the nursery room. It exists at work. It exists in the retirement home. Everywhere around us there is a pressure telling us that what we need is to sin. And the only way we can face this daily pressure is to have what Jesus has given to us. He has given to us a people that we might be united, that we might lock arms and move forward. The greatest army of the ancient world was composed of Greek hoplites. And they would go out and conquer and defeat armies far superior in numbers to themselves. And it wasn't because each individual Greek was a superman. It was because they fought in tight formation, each man protecting 
the man to his side, with massive shields, and together they presented a front of bristling spears. When the group was broken up, they were more easily defeated, but as they stayed together, almost no one could defeat them. This is a picture of the church. When we come together, we can stand against sin and temptation. We can remain accountable to our Lord through accountability with others. Jesus has given us this unity so that we might be fashioned more and more into His image, that we might flee more and more from sin, and that we might grow more and more in righteousness. But it's not just a negative accountability, is it? We also need positive encouragement. We need to be pointed to Jesus. When we're weary, we need someone to come alongside us and grab us by the elbow and say, come on, we're going to the celestial city. If you need to lean on me, you can. We need help from others. There is a reason, beloved, why God has called His people together corporately and not just individually. You see, our individual and our collective hope is Jesus. We need unity. The third and final thing we see in this text is that we are called to go forward in unity. We see this in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We need to go forward in unity to bring the message of Jesus to others. We are left in this world for a purpose. And Jesus makes clear what our mission is. He says he is praying not for these only, but for all who will believe. Now, as you read that verse, it should put chills down your spine. Because that means Jesus is standing there praying Not just for Peter, not just for John, not just for Matthew, not for the other disciples. Jesus is praying for you, Christian. Jesus is praying for Fred. He's praying for, insert your name. He is praying for you. He has you in his thoughts. He wants you to be united with him forever. He wants you to be a part of his unified people. And it's so remarkable. Do you see what he says? He says, for those who will believe in me through their word. We might have expected Jesus to say, my word. But you see, what Jesus is saying is, we are so united as his body that his word becomes ours. We take possession of it. We long for others to hear it. And we carry it out. We bring others into our unity. Now what this means for the church at large and here at Christ Church is that we cannot emphasize anything but Jesus. That is our uniting principle. It's not laws. It's not politics. We are not an academy. We are not a child-raising institution. No, the central focus of the church of Jesus Christ is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the person and work of Jesus. And we are all united around that. No matter what football team we like or what we like to eat for supper or where we grew up 
or whether we're talkative or quiet, we are all united around that one point and principle, the person and work of Jesus. And if we keep that as our central focus, we will be united as the church. The minute we begin to overemphasize other things, fractures appear. Because we're not all required to make that our main emphasis. Someone could biblically say, I don't want that to be my main emphasis. And then we have division and fights. But we cannot have any division over the person of Jesus. We are united each with him and that brings us into union with each other. And you see, this kind of unity makes the message that we bring to others believable. Look at verse 21. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. You see, the centrality of the message we have is shown by our unity. The truth of the message we have is shown by our unity. Our unity pictures God's unity, pictures the purpose of God in uniting for himself a people to be with him eternally. Unity makes our message real. Look at verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Do you want the world to know that Jesus has come in the flesh? Do you want the world to know that Jesus is the redeemer of sinners? Do you want to know there is hope for the hopeless? That Jesus tells you, you must be united. You must be unified as his people. Because when others see that unity, they know that the message is true. And they know the message is real. Because our unity shows that we've been changed. We're different Our unity shows that God is at work in our midst. This is a fundamental part of what it means to be a covenant community. And lastly, we go forward in unity in order to be loved by Jesus. Because you see, our unity shows us Jesus' love. Unity doesn't just bring us truth. Unity... True unity brings us love. Our unity shows us God's love for us and it shows us the love that we are to have for each other. As we are united as God's people, we see and experience the love of God. And this is a constant love. Do you see what Jesus says? He says, I will continue to make this known, verse 26. That the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The unity of the church shows us that we will not be separated from Jesus when the going gets tough. Jesus promises to continue on with us. And this unity allows us to love one another. Because Jesus' love becomes our love. And we then begin to love others in spite of their faults. We don't just love people who have characteristics that we like. We are united as the people of God. And in spite of who they are, just as God loved His children, in spite of who they were and what they have done, so we too can experience that in the community. You see, 
We love one another not because we have good temperaments. We love one another not because of tradition. We don't love one another because it will get us ahead in the world. We love one another because of Jesus. Because of who He is. Because of what He has done and what He is doing in our midst. Do you long to be in a place where you are accepted, loved, valued? Where you have others around you that think like you, that are on a mission with you? Then Jesus tells us that that community is found in His body, the church. It is a place where we come to find Jesus. If you need food, you go to a grocery store, not a hardware shop. If you need to buy a car, you don't go to the airport. You go to a car dealer. If you need Jesus, you go to the place where Jesus is. His community that He is building, the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, O Lord, that You have spoken these words through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You that Your Word will never fail. And we ask, O Lord, that You would make us a unified community, that You would equip us to love one another, to serve one another, that we might go out on the mission that You have given to us. This we ask, O Lord, in Christ's precious name, And all God's people said, Amen.